Today is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Middle Easterners are encountering Jesus in their dreams. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Email us if you'd like. Quick Start Podcast at CBN. Dot org. Joining me now to get through the news of the Cray, Madison Seals and Trey Gones Phillips. As always, a lot to get to. On the focus story today, Madison, we've got this Navy veteran who we, re- we interviewed who smashed up one of these satanic displays. He's now receiving report, uh, support from a well-known figure. Yeah, and I'm sure most Christians out there, he would receive support from as well. It's a a crazy case, but he's standing his ground and receiving some support from John MacArthur as well. All right, looking for the update there. Forward to the update there. On the main thing, Middle Easterners are encountering Jesus in their dreams. It's becoming quite common. Billy Hallowell has the details on that uh, for this episode's main thing. All right, don't forget to subscribe to our other CBN News podcast, DC Debrief with John Stolness and Newsmakers with uh, Billy. One full-length interview each and every weekday. And John's got the wrap-up on DC Debrief of what's happening in DC once a week. New episodes on Friday. Check those out. Subscribe. We got the links in the description to this podcast episode. All right, housekeeping is finished. We're going to head over to the news here. Get through it in 90 seconds. President Joe Biden is slated to visit the U.S.-Mexico border on Thursday. And President, former President Trump is planning to do the same thing. Trump's expected to go to Eagle Pass on the very same day that President Biden's planning on visiting Brownsville. Brownsville and Eagle Pass are separated by about 300 miles. Biden's in the middle of contemplating some executive actions that would potentially make it tougher for migrants who are trying to claim asylum to get in to the country. And police in Georgia have arrested a 26-year-old Venezuelan illegal immigrant, Jose Antonio Ibarra, who was previously arrested in New York City in connection with the murder of Augusta University student Lakin Riley, who's 22. She was a Dean's List student who went out for a run last week and never came back. One year before uh, Ibarra became and got arrested in New York City, uh, he had illegally entered the U.S. near El Paso, and he had been released from detention due to a lack of detention space. And Israeli officials went to Qatar yesterday for more talks on a hostage deal as intense fighting continues in Gaza along the northern border. He, uh, Israel has vowed to keep on ramping up its firepower in the north regardless of the situation in Gaza. Those are just... Some of today's top headlines, you can check out more stories over at CBNNews.com. Madison Trey, going through some of the immigration news here and the border issue, it's really becoming an issue for President Biden right now. It's going to be President Trump is making it a centerpiece of his campaign right now, this issue, in part because President Biden just months ago was saying that they were sort of bragging about their um, reduction of border crossings and how they got the the situation under control there. And it doesn't seem like that's the case right now. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely not something that's under 
control. And the reality is, is that it's a constantly fluctuating situation, right? It's constantly changing. It's always going to be different until there's some sort of real effort to control the situation at the border. But then that becomes a political, a politically hot button issue and then nothing gets done. Um, So, but what's unfortunate is, as we've talked about Dan several times on the podcast is the people who are living in a border state or they're in a border town. Like these people, this is not an abstract issue. This is something that's actually impacting them. They're feeling the consequences of a lack of leadership from the administration or a lack of action from Congress. Um, so more often than not, we've seen over the years, like the, even pre-Trump, uh, we saw several local city officials uh, in border towns taking action themselves because they have felt abandoned by the federal government. Yeah, and I think this is becoming such a big issue for voters across the country because it really isn't just a southern border issue anymore. This, The crimes, increase in crime across the country has expanded to every state. I mean, we're seeing rises in crime in nearly every state. And so voters are being impacted by this, whether or not they live close to the border. And I think it's just becoming so big of an issue that Biden can't ignore it anymore. None of our candidates can ignore that anymore. No, they certainly can't. And and it really is, look, on just a political level, of course, it's like, how is this going to play out? How are the candidates going to navigate this? But on a human level, of course, we have to come to some some resolution here that's going to make things good for everybody because it's it's certainly not good for to lead people to believe that they can just come into America and then get in here and then they go on these arduous journeys these dangerous journeys they're putting their own lives on the line their families lives on the line just to get here and that's not fair to people either that's not loving to yeah. people either and so but we of course you know you want to help people who are fleeing dangerous situations and have legitimate cases and and things like that. So it's it is something that on a human level we want to find a reasonable solution to, but what we have right now isn't very reasonable. Well, I think yeah, another thing too like you alluded to it is like uh, sex trafficking, human trafficking uh, become a huge issue with things like this because there are people who are legitimately fleeing um, some sort of oppressive situation and they've been sold this lie that it's in and sometimes it is it ends up being true because there isn't the kind of control along the border that we need but regardless they, they believe they can come into the United States and it's a you know they have them free free reign and then what happens is that there are coyotes there are people there who are you know, waiting there, preying on on these vulnerable people, ready to take advantage of them. And often many of them end up falling into a, a sex trafficking trap or human trafficking trap. So there's we have a moral obligation, as you said, Dan, to make it clear this is what the border policy is in the United States. You can't just come here and walk through. So don't believe these people with nefarious motivations when they say, oh, we can get you into the United States really easily uh, because more often than not, that's those those are the instances when sex trafficking, human trafficking of children yeah. end up happening. And then two, the drug issue, right? There's so yeah. many drugs coming into the United States illegally. And like you said, Madison, it's not just impacting the border cities. It, these are drugs that then are shipped and driven and taken all around the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so essentially that loving thy neighbor, which is, you know, what we hear tossed around a lot, which is, of course, something we should do as Christians. But let's not just assume what that means, because people immediately jump to, well, you just take care of whoever's coming in any way you can possibly. It's like, well, wait a minute. We, maybe we need to have more of a holistic approach at 
where what other harms are coming from this and and how are we loving our neighbors in that way like you said this unfettered flow of drugs and fentanyl that are coming across the border i mean they've got we did a report they've got vending machines for um, fentanyl od test kits right like if you're ODing on this like can you imagine that like that that's even a thing that that is ridiculous that that is a thing that you're well we better have some vending machines around and for people who are ODing because you just never know and the fact that that's even needed is just speaks to how bad the situation really is so so loving our neighbor is going to take potentially a lot of different forms there's a lot of different ways we could be doing that. So certainly need to be praying all the way around because it's not it's not a black and white issue. It's not it is not that easy to solve. There's no there's no magic solution just waiting there to take off the shelf. There's gonna be pros and cons on everything. So all right, let's move over to the focus story now. As we mentioned at the top here, Madison, we have this gentleman who had had enough with these atheists putting up one of those satanic type displays, trying to make a point. Or whatever their purpose was but what did michael cassidy do that landed him in legal trouble right yeah this happened last december which is when we last reported on it and it's a u.s navy veteran who is also a former gop candidate for the mississippi house of representatives and he took down this satanic statue that was in the iowa state capitol some sources say he beheaded it he pushed it over threw it in the trash the point is he was making a statement that the statue or altar, as he called it, I think appropriately, should never have been there in the first place. And right after he took down the statue, he turned himself into authorities and was charged with fourth degree mischief and a hate crime, which has since been elevated to a third degree criminal mischief violation. What do we know about this group? that put up this statue. I mean, because like I said, there's sometimes there's all these different motives. Sometimes they're just trolling. Sometimes they legitimately are just dedicated to worshiping evil. What was the situation here? Yeah, we're not talking about a little red devil cartoon statue with horns. This was a display erected by the Satanic Temple of Iowa. So this is an actual group that worships Satan, and it features a red cloaked Baphomet statue, I believe is how you pronounce that, which is basically a silver goat in front of a candlelit altar that was adorned with the seven fundamental tenets of the organization. What uh, what was John MacArthur's response? Obviously a well-known pastor, and he's weighing in on this issue. Yeah, and for those who don't know, John MacArthur is a prominent pastor of Grace Community Church in California, and he was doing a Q&A session last week when he got a question about this case. Apparently, a congregant likened Cassidy's act to Gideon tearing down the altar of Baal, and MacArthur agreed. He said he absolutely supports what Cassidy did, but he did note that Christians will have to face negative consequences in this society that increasingly rewards evil and punishes righteousness and goodness. So he did praise Cassidy for following his convictions and said it was a noble thing to do. Um, and he also questions why the altar was in the public state building in the first place and said that that was the real offense here. Yeah. And a lot of times, and that's why I say, like, are they just trolling? Because there are some of these groups, um, and I always get confused as to which one does it and which one doesn't, but these satanic temples, some of them really, they just exist to try to make the point that, well, if you're going to allow all these beliefs to be on public property, well, we're going to have this one. 
And and so they just are trying to like make this point, but they're super dedicated to this point. <laughs> and so they create these groups like Satanic Temple or uh, like like uh, minded things such as that. So um, but is Cassidy, is he is he still kind of sticking to his guns on this? Yeah, absolutely. He said that Christians who believe the U.S. Constitution protects a satanic altar are overcomplicating what he calls blatantly evil, and that this isn't as complicated of an issue as people are making it out to be. He just says this is an overcomplication of the truth, which is that God is great and should be honored, and the devil is evil and should not be honored. <laughs> and he he quotes the verse in 1 Peter 5, 8 that says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I think he posted that on Twitter a while ago. So he is sticking to his guns here, and his legal defense fund has raised more than 130000 as of um, today, I believe. So, um, yeah, that's he's sticking to his guns for now. Well, that's good. I mean, it's good that he's getting the support because, I mean, our, it's the truth, I think, of what we're living in as a society right now. And you talk about people overthinking it, and I think that's kind of where we're at. Like, people are like, wait a minute, I don't know if we should be doing this or if if this basic thing is good or bad or not like people are just having a lot of trouble with basic truths as we often talk about on this podcast you know like a man saying he's a woman or a woman saying they're a man and people going yeah you know you go you are that these are we're kind of head scratching going well i want to be nice but i don't know about that i guess i'll go along so people are people are already in that state where they're kind of overthinking things that are just basic truths. Right. Yeah. It's called taking a stand for your beliefs. And Jesus never told us that would be easy. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart that he's overcome the world. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we are certainly not promised. I mean, and again, we've had, we've been as Christians, we've sort of been in the driver's seat for some time now where we were in kind of in the lead in popular culture where you had a favored status. And that, that is just not the case now. And it hasn't been for some time. And so mm-hmm. we should absolutely expect things like this. I feel like there was a phase where when people started like lashing out against thoughts and prayers and, and things like that after a tragedy, it, we're just at that place now where I think you need to expect it. I think you absolutely need to expect opposition when you profess your faith in Christ because you're just really not living in a place where as many people, I mean, the we're still in the majority as, as far as Christians go. Um, but the numbers change a little when you go to Bible believing, dedicated Christians. So, um, and just the landscape on the ground is changing. That's all my only point there. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Madison, appreciate you bringing that one to the podcast today. We are going to head over to the main thing now. And Lana Silk, who's U.S. Director of Transform Iran, she told CBN News, reports of Middle Easterners encountering Jesus in dreams are quite common, with the Lord using these interactions to draw individuals to him. She joined Billy Hallowell to discuss this on today's Main Thing. Let's start with a question here about the Middle East and these dreams. We've heard so many reports of people in the Middle East who are not believers, they're not Christians, and yet they have these dreams of Jesus and they have these profound interactions. How common are these dreams in the Middle East? 
I'm very excited to tell you, Billy, that they really are quite common. God is using them to speak to Iranians all the time. He uses every method he can, but the Iranians are open to dreams. They are dreamers. They enjoy talking about their dreams and they're aware of their dreams. And God uses that to speak to them. Yeah, it's so interesting because in America, in the West in general, this idea of Jesus appearing in a dream is probably very foreign, not to everybody, but but to most people. You know, th- this isn't something that people will report having happened to them. Um, and obviously, the dynamics are quite different in many areas of the Middle East when you compare that to America. Can you speak a little bit about why you think the West is so adverse or maybe just inexperienced with this sort of apparition? Well, I think we have become quite secular in the West, and we have wanted to rationalize and understand everything. And when you're in a place where it has to be within your frame of reference and something that you can explain away, then you end up taking away some of the exciting, creative ways in which God likes to speak. So there is a challenge to us here in the West to take off our need to be able to completely own the information and the process and fully grasp it and just allow God to wow us and do mysterious things. Well, that that's absolutely true. And, and you also think, and I'd love for you to speak to this a little bit through your work at Transform Iran and, and what you're doing. When, when you look at the dynamics in a country like America, Obviously, we have our squabbles about free speech. We've had Supreme Court cases of late that have been a big deal. But the reality is we have a First Amendment. We have religious freedom. There's religious liberty. People can go to church on Sundays. They don't have to be underground or fearful. And yet, in certain areas of the Middle East, in Iran in particular, those are not things that people enjoy. That freedom is not there. And so there's less of an opportunity, you would imagine, to be hearing the gospel, especially out in the open at a church. How do you think that factors into God's decision maybe to show up in these unique ways through dreams? Well, that's a really good question. And there's so many things we can say about it. I think there's something about the perceived value that is associated to something that is free. Um, And sometimes when it's something that we can just pick up and put down at a whim and have access to all sorts of versions of it. I mean, I'm thinking even right down to the basics of our scriptures. You know, I have multiple translations of the Bible sitting on my bookcase. I can go and buy more if I want. I can read them when I want and discard them when I want. That's different to the context in which it costs me everything, potentially even my life, to access something like that. And then I would hold on to it as the precious thing that it is and value it and prize it and use it. So we have a challenge here in the West in making sure that the things that are so freely available to us um, don't lose their actual value. And then I think tied into that, God then honors the cost that people pay in order to access the things of the kingdom of heaven. And when he sees that we're willing to um, just, well, I think about the parable, the man who found the, the, the field that had the pearl in it, and he was prepared to sell everything just to get that field because he knew that pearl of great price was there. So are we prepared? Have we found this thing of great value? And are we prepared to sell everything, lose everything, cost pay the highest cost possible to access it. When God sees that, he honors that and he speaks to us. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you think about the situation there and help people understand. I mean, I've, I've covered this a lot. I've talked about this a lot. You certainly know at Transform Iran, what is going on there, but, but what is it like for Christians in that country? What, what is it like to be a believer there? It's dangerous. 
it's uh, it's a day-to-day risk. Uh, people will look at a country like Iran and they'll say, oh, you know, that they, they are immediately put into a situation where they have to pay that great price, whether they like it or not. Yes, that's true in many ways. The Iranians could also keep quiet. They could find Jesus and they could keep that to themselves. Um, but Jesus talks about the light on the hill, you know, don't hide it, put it right up on the top of the hill and let everyone see it. And when Iranians live like that, then it is very costly to them. The government is tracking. It is illegal for them to convert to Christianity. It's illegal for them to own a Bible and learn, share it with others and talk about it. And the price they pay is a whole range. It can be a business shutdown. It can be prison. It could be torture. It could be family members threatened and harassed. So they know when they go for Jesus in the way that they do, that it could cost them everything. Well, and and that just speaks to the the bravery and the truth of, you know, finding the gospel, it transforms your life and you don't want to stay silent. You want to help other people find it. I want to get back into these dreams, though, because I do think it's interesting for those maybe who haven't found Jesus yet, who don't understand having these dreams. You've talked to many of these people. You hear these stories all the time. Maybe share with us a couple of stories of how profound those dreams were, how they impacted the lives of the people who experienced them. Oh, there's so many stories I could share with you, Billy. Um, Jesus uses dreams to speak to believers, and he uses dreams to speak to those who he knows are open to him but are nervous or searching. So let me tell you a story of one of the latter. There's a lady in our team right now who was uh, a very committed Muslim. She was actually forced into marriage at the age of 13 and had three children through her teens and has a whole lot of trauma and story to tell from her childhood. This whole time, completely committed to her Islamic faith. Um, Lots of things happened. We don't have time to get into the detail of it, but she began to wonder about Jesus. And around this time, she was fearful of her own wondering, her own um, mind going to the things of God, thinking, no, what am I doing? I'm I'm a Muslim. I, I, I obey and follow Allah. Um, and so Jesus started wooing her and making it easier for her. He would appear to her in the doorway in her bedroom and hold out his hand to her and say, come and trust me, come and follow me. And then she would go to sleep and he would appear to her in her dreams and he would speak to her. Then again, it was a gentle call. You can trust me. He would hold out his hand and say, trust me, come and follow me. And as this was happening, um, she was constantly thinking, no, you know, I'm I'm off track. I need to pray more. I need to pray more. So she went to pray her Muslim prayers one day. And every time she went to St. Muhammad, the name Jesus would come out of her mouth. And she would think, what am I doing? I'm praying to Mount Lestral again. And it would keep happening. But of course, we know the name of Jesus is powerful. And the more she pronounced his name as she was praying, the more he gripped her heart. And because he had already been wooing her through her dreams, he'd been appearing to her in her bedroom and she she knew this this man a little better she had a sense of trust and she gave her life to him and now she serves as a pastor in our ministry team all right billy thanks for that conversation there what a great story it's always incredible to hear that isn't it just these uh miraculous movements of god that are happening there in the middle east yeah and how he works so physically in the world still too i think we forget that sometimes yeah. but the spiritual gifts still exist yeah 100 percent. all right we're going to have time on the pod today for one last thing. Let's check out Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 
This is such a great reminder, just as we talk about standing up for our faith, that God helps us carry that burden. He gives us that conviction first, but then also the strength and the peace to walk through that and live out our faith as well. Amen. All right. Good spot to leave it on the podcast today. As always, don't forget, get yourself over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise on us. We'll be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. God bless. We'll see you then.